you're hanging out. It's been a long day. You need a snack. How many of you, let's, there's two categories and you can't be both, okay? Uh, you are either one or the other. You are salty and not like how the teenagers mean it. I don't even know what that means. She's so salty. I don't, really don't know what that means, but salty, like pretzels, mine is sunflower seeds, um, uh, or, or sweet. You're salty or you're sweet, okay? Don't be like a Sour Patch Kid. I'm both. Don't do that. Salty or sweet. How many of you would say, at the end of the day, if I have to pick, I'm going after a salty snack. I'm a, I'm a salty person. Okay, the rest of you, it's like, no, 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 M&Ms. Throw me some M&Ms, something sweet, beautiful. That was like half and half. So this week, I just, you can be both. Wendy's has Frosties on sale right now for 50 cents. And a couple nights ago, I told Lindsay, I just looked right at her, I said, I have to go to Wendy's. So I drove down there and I got a Frosty. And what else did I get? Of course I got fries. Do you know this exists? Is anyone here not knowing that the Frosties and the fries go together? Oh, they go together well, don't they? The, the youngsters are like, oh yeah. How many, right now I'm hungry, like legit real hunger. And that, I don't even wanna talk about this anymore because I'm so hungry. So this, this text this morning, that's my, my junior high ministry intro to this silly example. But this idea that salt, and I believe it because I'm a, I'm a salt person. Every snack in the cupboard that we have is salty. Lindsay's a sweet person, so have all your ice cream, have your sugar. I don't want any of it. I just want salt. If I was a horse, I would just want a big salt lick. You know, just, I'd sit there all day. That's so gross. Isn't that weird? But I understand because I love it. Because salt makes just about everything. Uh, there's probably some things you don't put salt on. I don't know. What, what, what don't you put salt on? Cereal? I thought I heard cereal. So what else? You put it on everything. You can put, so, <laughs> you, wait, you don't put that on cereal? No. So today, it, the idea that we're moving into this text, we're out of the beatitudes of like, you're blessed if this, you're blessed if that, you're blessed when this. And now Jesus is actually going, okay, now that you know that, Let's go do something. So Matthew chapter five, I wanna read the text, then we'll dive into it. Cool. This is familiar if you've been in the church or even if you haven't. It says this in Matthew chapter five, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? So salt can apparently lose its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. They says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the NIV. Let me give it to you from the message because it preaches. Let me tell you why you're here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Dang. Here's another way to put it. Thank you. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you up on a light stand. And now that I have you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening to others, and you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous, 
Father in heaven. Isn't that better? Sometimes you got to go to the message. The translation is just a little bit more like, oh, that's what he's trying to say. He said, you're the salt of the earth. He's looking at these guys that we'll talk about in just a second. And this idea, Matthew 5, has had this upside down. I keep using that word. It's like everything is upside down in this kingdom of God Jesus keeps talking about. It's backwards. It's not that way. It's actually this way. And Jesus goes, no, it's the opposite of what feels natural most times. It's upside down. So this shows us how to live kind of right side up in this kingdom of God that's breaking into this realm. That's the news. If you're new, Jesus brought this announcement that there is a kingdom way and then there's sort of an earthly way. There's this my way that is the best way, Jesus would say. Here's how to be human and I'm breaking that into your humanity in the flesh. And then there's also this other way you can do it. You can live life this way, personally, relationally, socially. Jesus goes, I've got kingdom to bring to you. And in those days of kings and queens, it made a lot of sense today in our patriarchy and whatever we've got. It's a little bit different. But listen, here's what you need to see. He said something right after this that made everybody probably go, oh, okay. Because here's Jesus, Matthew 5, 1 through 16 are backwards. And it doesn't, like Matthew's the first book in the Gospels, and it doesn't sound a lot like some of what you read to the left. So like if you did the Bible in a year and did Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you got into the first King stories and you're like, yeah, these are great. Then you got into some other stuff. You went, man, they're just like kicking people in the teeth. And here's Jesus talking about eye for an eye doesn't work. And is, are, is he rogue? Is he going somewhere else? Is he even connected to the rabbinic story? Is he a part of the Jewish story? Isn't, is he something new? And here's why Jesus said, he's reading their minds. He said, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. That's important. Do not think that I've come to abolish, to do away with the law or the prophets, the Torah or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So he talks about salt and light right after talking about all the blesseds. And then why would he say that? Hey, wait, wait, don't think that I'm doing something to abolish everything. What he's saying, and this is so important, is that somehow in the story of God, he is about to not abolish and do away with like, whoops, we made a mistake there. He's actually gonna go, no, 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 no. This is exactly what God had in mind all along. What he's saying and how he's living are what God had in mind all along. So anything to the left, he goes, no, 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 I'm not trying to abolish it. I'm gonna fulfill it. I'm gonna live it out perfectly and I'm gonna teach you. So he knows what they're thinking and that they, maybe he somehow came to abolish it, but here it is. He's talking about salt and light to who? Remember who he's with. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to Peter the fisherman, Matthew the despised tax collector, John, the most insecure person in scripture. Like you read the gospel of John and John loves John. Like he's so, do you love me though? Do you like John all throughout his pages is like faster than Peter. We already went over that a few weeks ago. And you've got this, so here, here, let's, let's go to Matthew 15. I'll show you who these guys are. Let's take a quick look at the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Matthew 15, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. Matthew chapter 15, who are these people, these disciples, and what are they like? And what does that mean for us? It's important. Matthew chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus is teaching, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. 
Leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, um, what? Explain this parable to us. And then verse 16, look at this. Are you still so dull? This is 15 chapters into Matthew, and here's Jesus, like the friendliest human ever, I thought. And he looks at Peter, and he's like, are you still so dull? (laughs) To which Peter replied, yes. Like, he looked at Peter, and in his most loving, do you need like a life verse? Remember when everyone wanted a life verse so bad? There it is, Matthew chapter 15. That's your life verse, verse 16. Put it as your Twitter bio, your Instagram bio. Here's my life verse. Get this tatted. Are you still so dull? They're not getting it. Okay, go to Mark. It's the next book. Mark chapter 9. I'm going to go there. Flip to it. It'll be on the screen again. That'd be easier, but I like turning pages. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. Yes. Then they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, preview, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. Talking about himself. And after three days, he will rise. Like he gave the story. Like he spoiled it. He totally told them what was going to happen, but they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. So it's hilarious. They're like, ah, (laughs) can you picture the scene? Jesus is like, the son of man will be delivered into the hands of men. They are going to kill him. But after three days, he's going to rise again. And they're like, hmm, right. Good story. Verse 33 They came to Capernaum when he was in the house. He asked them, hey, uh, what were you arguing about on the road? So they were walking. They're always walking. And as they were walking, you could hear him like, no, it's going to be me. He already knew the answer. And here's verse 34. But they kept quiet because on the way to Capernaum, they had argued about who was the greatest So here's these guys, here's Jesus in the flesh, and he looks at them, and he gives them the plan, the plot, the story, the preview, the holy cow, the billions of years of existence, or less if you're shorter, whatever, that he goes, hey, here's the whole culmination. I, God in the flesh, a deity with humanity somehow combined, am going to go, they're going to arrest me, beat me, uh, they're going to kill me, I'm going to stop breathing for a few days, but ta-da, I'm going to rise from the dead, conquering death, and that's for you as well. I'm gonna, it's a preview of your life. Isn't that amazing? And instead, after hearing that, they were like, I wanna be the VP. Like you've got Peter, James, and John, like, no, I'm the best. Shotgun, like they're hip checking each other on the way to like the number two role in heaven. They're arguing about who was the greatest. Here's Jesus. It's gonna be a sacrifice. I'm gonna suffer. It's gonna be brutal. I'm gonna be broken. My blood will be poured out for you. It's, there's gonna be a death, but a rescue. And they're like, but, but who gets like, you know, the best seat next to you? Are you still so dull? Are you, can you imagine? This is, I mean, I have an eight-year-old. I talk about him almost every week. And I can hear that coming from him, but not, not like the, the, the salt of the earth and the light of the world and the plan of God. This is who we're talking to. And Jesus goes, are you still so dull? All right, Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight, not Luke 15. Luke eight. 
Luke 15 is tempting. Luke chapter 8, check this out. Verse 1, Luke chapter 8, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. That's cool. The 12 were with him, so it just mentions the fellows, except, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, this is extra, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, huh? Susanna and many others, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. Out of their own means, meaning um, what? Who's there? Just this is extra. This isn't in the main point, but here's a woman named uh, Joanna, who's the wife of Chusa, uh, Chusa, the manager of whose household? Herod's. Who's Herod? An enemy of Jesus. What is she doing? Following Jesus. So the wife of Herod is bankrolling the ministry of Jesus, Herod's enemy. How beautiful is that? Men are the best. This woman is funding the ministry of Jesus using his enemy's money. That's the most beautiful, subversive, you go girl, fund that thing. And then, you know, the fellows are there too, like, they lift stuff. But here's the women that are funding this thing. And one of them, Mary, had seven demons. What does that even look like? Like, what's one? I don't want one. She had seven. Whatever that looked like in this time and day, she had, let's say, she had some kind of history, man. She had a past. She, I mean, because when seven demons move out, do they leave a mess? Like, do they get their deposit back on what... The, or is, or is it possible that, man, that girl's got a story. Like, you don't, if she's applying for a job, she doesn't put like, well, I once had seven demons. No, you put that aside. But here is Luke saying, no, no, no. She, whatever it was, she was wrestling. So Luke chapter nine, verse 46. Let's keep going. Just to give you another picture, a preview. Luke chapter nine, verse 46. Again, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. So they didn't learn their lesson. Jesus, comma, knowing their thoughts. So you don't want to be around Jesus with a thought. You just want to be in your head like, show to the Lord all the earth, let it sing. Uh, What? I'm not thinking anything but Jesus. So here he is, knowing their thoughts, that's a bonus, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. Master, said John. (laughs) So stupid. We saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. So here's this beautiful, you ever had a kid on stage? Like You ever seen a kid on stage? What does everyone in the room do? Oh. And here's God in the flesh going, yeah, he's the most important soul in the room right now. To which John goes, okay, cool. But I saw this guy who was like an independent contractor, demon slayer, and he was slaying demons, but he wasn't using your name. Whatever that looked like, sounded like, felt like, here's John going, uh, we have the copyright on demon ex- you know, exits. Like, that's our thing, and he's over here not using your name. So they're arguing about who's the greatest. Jesus has this fantastic example with a little kid there. He's like, this kid's the greatest. And here's John. Um, Should we, what do we do? There's this guy. Uh, Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. Basically, Jesus going, it's usually better to have less demons than more. Like, generally speaking, you would agree, like, it's probably better if the town has less demons. 
And here's Jesus going, why do you think you have a team? You, you thought that we have like a team and he's not on our team? So now he can't do things. He's frustrating. It should be frustrating. I'm pausing for frustrating emphasis. As the time approached for him to be taken up to, to heaven, um, verse 52, 51, Jesus resolutely, like here I come, set out for Jerusalem. And he, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. So Samaritans are these kind of outsiders of the day. And they just went to like do some hospitality prep. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? <laughs> like, I, do I have that power? I, this is my 19th year of full-time. Can I, like, but apparently they thought they could just pull like a firebolt, Ryu style, and destroy the Samaritan village. Street Fighter? Nobody. One guy. Thank you, Zach. And Jesus turned to them, and what did he do? Sure, go for it. Yeah, that's how I roll. No, he rebuked them. Then he, is, he and his disciples went to another village. Okay, pause. If today's evangelical situation frustrates you, if the socio-political evangelical reality of today frustrates you, nothing has changed. We have the capacity to get it so, so wrong. I mean, who are these guys? This one calls out James and John because it's Luke, the doctor writing. Luke actually, by the way, Luke's writing this, this letter. He's a doctor, but how does he describe the disciples as ordinary, ordinary, ordinary? Isn't that what you want your husband to call you? Yeah, she's pretty ordinary. <laughs> he's pretty ordinary. Doesn't do much really well, but he's right in the middle, most things. Luke calls the disciples ordinary, unschooled men. No, they're not, Luke. You're a disciple and you're a doctor. You went to school. So even Luke is like, these dudes are idiots, except the one with the pen. The rest of them are idiots. You've got Peter, James, John, Beavis, Butthead, all these guys that over and over and over again, by the way, um, they decided to leave it in here. Like if you're the author of the letters, you can crop and edit the parts. That, have you ever told a story about yourself where you were like amazing, but when it actually happened, you were like pretty cool? But in the telling of the story, maybe did you ever emphasize some elements that made you look amazing? That's like my ministry career, right? <laughs> like every story I tell, it's like, it was pretty cool, but look at this. And here's the authors of scripture, these zeros and losers and last picked people. And Jesus is going, you are the salt of the earth. Like right now, today, you're the salt. You are the salts of the earth. Let me, let me change the emphasis. You are the light of the world. Like right now. He's looking at them, them, who we're laughing at and kind of making fun of and going, ha, ha, ha. Oh, he's pointing at us and going, you, those of you that are living out the way of Jesus as best you can, you're doing this thing, you, not you should be, you are. Like some religions, they throw a lot of shame at you, don't they, man? You hear a lot of guys, you hear a lot of, it's usually guys saying some things from stages that are, you should be this and you should be that. You should, Jesus doesn't come with a list of shoulds, does he? He comes with a ragtag group of just sort of average, middle of the road men and women. Some of the women who are just leading this thing, even struggling though from whatever their past was, he doesn't bring guilt and shame. He doesn't bring shoulds. He doesn't bring if you were just more than 
then I could do something. Now, pause. If you hear Jesus, who keeps saying this, and man, he speaks with power, and he speaks with authority, and he speaks with, like, you believe him, and he's saying things, and he's just opening up your chest, and maybe you're a skeptic, or maybe you're one of the religious elite of the day, and you've got, here's Jesus, and you're one of the religious elite, like, wearing your fancy religious clothes. Do you, like, start sweating under the collar a little bit when Jesus just starts walking around, handing out blessings to all of these zeros and nobodies? Like, he comes, he's like, Oprah, you get a blessing, and you're the salt of the earth, and you're you're the light of the world, and you're like, wait, wait, we had the copyright on that. What's this guy doing? He's walking around telling these average, ordinary nobodies that they're actually capable and empowered to do great things. I'd start being like, dang, my job security is at risk because he keeps telling them they're the plan. You're the plan. There's no plan B. There's no, there's no varsity team I'm going to call in if y'all can't handle it. He's looking at them, and he's looking at us saying, you are the ones that bring the flavor. You are the ones, sometimes I'm bummed out that I'm white. (laughs) Oh dear, he said something dumb. No, what I mean is sometimes it's hard. I just feel like there's some of our brothers and sisters in the African-American community could preach this message better than I am, right? Because they'd just be like, you are the flavor. You know, I can feel that in me, but I'm like, you're the flavor. Like sometimes I just don't have enough of that. Like, yeah, but it's carrying more weight than this 40-year-old boring white guy can say, I love me, I'm all about it, right on. But whatever you need to inject a little life into this, this is Jesus, God in the flesh, resurrected one, looking at them and looking at us saying, I get it, you think I'm changing everything. No, this was the plan all along. I will empower you. This is what I had in mind all of the time. It's Pentecost Sunday. That's when the power came. That's when... Those of us that went, I can't do this. I can't do anything. I can't speak a word. I can't serve. I can't do anything that's actually going to matter. And God goes, watch what I can do if you let me live through you. Watch what I can do if you just, here, just do a soul check for a sec. Like how open are you to any of this? Like how open are you to whatever God might want to do? Like how open are you to what the Spirit might want to do through you? Do you have a voice in your head right now saying, not you? Maybe the person next to you, maybe everyone else in here, but not you. That's not the voice of God. That's probably your worst enemy, you. Telling you that you can't do any of this. These people are God's example to us that he can and will and loves to use anybody to bring a little bit of flavor, a little bit of salt to every room you walk into, to every conversation you have, whether you're socially awkward or just killing it socially, whether you're eloquent or not whether you're successful or people know, whether you have 14 followers on Instagram or like 35 million, you is who he's talking to. If you'll be open, maybe you're thinking, nah, maybe I was, but those days have passed. I've done too much. By the way, Abraham was 75, but he was open. 75. 
75. That's almost twice my age. But he was open. He was just open. What did God do through Abraham? Moses was older. He was 80. That's old. No offense if you're 80. But dang, one of the heroes of the faith was 80. That's almost 100. (laughs) But Moses was open. It's the birthday of the church today. Um, Today is the day that we received power, and maybe it's a day for you to come back and go, where are you calling me to simply be open, to be faithful, and to believe that if I open my mouth and speak words of kindness and truth and love, they'll be received, and maybe it'll do something that's maybe more than I even imagined. Maybe you're here and you think you're disqualified for some reason. Come on, read your Bible. These people stabbed, Peter stabbed a guy. You understand that? I own that domain, peterstabbedaguy.com. I own it, it's mine, because it's a constant reminder to me. I haven't used it for anything, but it's there. Peter stabbed a guy. Like, you're frustrated. How many people have you stabbed this week? Seven. Okay, cool, glad you're here, security. But the rest of us, like, you, you go, oh, okay, I don't have um, stabbing in my past, but Peter planted the church. Peter preached the message of Pentecost that day in Acts chapter 2. What had he done? Uh, He was a coward who hid from women and children, denied Jesus, and and then shanked a dude in the face. In the face. Matthew 26, if you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about. Go read that later. Peter didn't punch a guy. He wasn't UFC. He was, I'm going to kill a guy. And Jesus goes, okay, don't do that anymore. And now I'm going to use you to start the whole thing. So what's, what's your thing? What's your reason? Why are you closed? What is it? It's a terrible reason. It's just not a good one. And it's not one that's disqualified you from God doing something through you. Do you believe that? I hope so. We're going to sing one more song that will remind you um, of what, what God is like. And I pray that it tells you a little bit about what you're like. Because if God is like this, this says a lot about us. I'm going to sing a song that maybe you know, maybe you don't. And in this place, um, I'm going to come back up after the song for just a second. But in this place, you really get to take whatever posture you want. Um, what I'm really excited about um, is next Sunday, We'll get to meet in a place where we'll have some conversation. It'll be crowded. That's okay. Um, but in this, you get to process. And so in this place, not much of a conversation next to you, but today, just for the next few minutes as, as Matt sings, you can stand and you can sing. Uh, you can sit and you can listen. You can do whatever you want. You can stand in the hallway. You can stand in the back. You can do whatever you want. But what I want is for you just to simply ask yourself if you truly believe the lyrics of this song. And if you don't, (laughs) there's so many of us that do. And we would just implore you and encourage you to say, okay, what if it is true? What if these words are true about the world that we live in right now? Maybe I'd have to pray to have eyes to see that kind of world, but... What would it mean if you would believe the lyrics in this next song? I'll come up in just a minute. Let me just pray for us. So Jesus, thank you for using who you used and continuing to do the same thing. You had so much grace and so much patience for, for the ones that were failing and blowing it and also even for the ones that thought they were killing it and missing it. And so that grace, I just pray that in this next few minutes, we would sense it, we would taste it and see it, that you are good. Help us to find our place in your story. 
Some of us walked in here today tired and scared and frustrated and doubting. And you just come running off the porch and grab some of us. I pray in Jesus' name.